Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition. Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weekly Warrior Podcast. And on today's episode, I'm joined by my friend and current co-host, Tristan Baca. What's going on, buddy? What's up, everybody? We're here to talk more about hunting and shit that makes you awesome. You think, <laughs> you think you're ready to do that? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. This is a branch of the Weekly Warrior Podcast. You are still listening to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, just so you know. You are about to enter into a world of hunting excellence. That is all we have here is hunting excellence. Regardless of the fact that this is both Tristan and mine, this is our first bow season. This is called, this is hunting excellence here. (laughs) I'm going to tell a quick story. So I didn't tell the story on the last episode that we did, but we were out on our first scouting trip and um, we're walking through the woods and stop for a second. And I look, I look to my left and I see, I see a porcupine climbing a tree. And if anyone knows porcupines in Michigan, I had just been scarred by a porcupine experience. Actually, a dog that I was taking care of got quilled by a porcupine. He, he was, you know, going after the porcupine and that thing quilled the shit out of this poor dog. And I had to take him to the vet and he had like 75 quills all in his face and whatever. And it was, it was, it was bad. And in the state of Michigan, it's open season on porkies all year round because they don't really do anything helpful. They eat people's stuff. Uh, here at the DNR, uh, with, in my region where I work, porcupines eat a lot of our wood signage. And so we do not like them. So I had a lot of reasons to be angry. And I hadn't processed this with anyone. And so I see a porcupine climbing a tree. And I look at Tristan. And I said, we should shoot this thing. And he was like, all right. So I pull an arrow out. And at this time, my arrows were probably. Oh, just to let everybody know, we both have small game licenses. And this yes, this was completely legal. legal. Yep, completely <laughs> legal. And so, and I had every intention if I was going to get this porcupine. We were going to gut the bitch and then eat it. Um, I don't know how to do it, but we were going to figure it out. There's YouTube for that. And um, so I had an arrow pulled out. And at that point, I didn't know anything about arrow tuning, arrow weights, anything like that. So my arrow was probably like 150 total grains, maybe 200 grains. It was extremely light. It was literally like throwing a stick uh, out of my bow. Size. And <clears throat> because I just didn't know this was in July and or no, this was like early August. And I just I didn't have a clue. God, it was hot that day. It was hot that day. And I so remember that I, I, I pulled remember an arrow back. It was, hot. it was hot and humid. I pulled an arrow back and I felt pretty good about it. And I let it out, let it go. And my arrow, no shit, just hit the porcupine in the back. And clunked off. I mean, it literally sounded like you hit something hollow, like a hollow piece of wood. And it was like, boom. And my arrow, my arrow just fell to the ground. And I was like, are you shitting me right now? And, but I hit it, which was cool. I I felt good about that. And it didn't damage it at all. Didn't wound it. It was, it was unbelievable. And I'm shooting a 50 pound bow. So it's plenty of, it's plenty of poundage to do what needs to be done. But my arrow was just, like I said, I was like throwing a stick at the thing. So Tristan pulls back his $1,000 Hoyt, what is it, a VX3? <laughs> uh, that, uh, Hoyt Ventum. Hoyt Ventum oh, and Ventum. like badass, like tactical compound bow, badass broadheads, whatever. I don't think he had broadheads on there at this one, but pulls it back. Oh, no, I had a field tip in. Field tip on it, and he pulls it back and just lets it fly, and off it goes like 200 yards into the forest. <laughs> And right, right, right over the top of this porcupine, right over the top of the porcupine. And we always, well, I joke about it more than Tristan does, but I was like, dude, I hunt with a stick. Like literally I have a piece of wood with a string on it, no sights or anything. And I at least managed to hit the bitch. Couldn't do anything about it, but 
we uh we have a little slogan now that we like to say when when things get tough yep. what's our slogan tristan yep die porky die die porky die and uh we haven't seen another porcupine i would still shoot a porcupine and i've seen i mean plenty of people eat them it they and actually i've heard that they taste pretty good and i would totally i would totally do it if we come across another one i would you still have that onyx you still have that onyx point right for where your where your shot happened yeah we never found the arrow the the so the summary to that story the conclusion to the story is we both walked away from mr porcupine who went to sleep in the tree safe for another day and arrow was and tristan was an arrow short <laughs> and then i went and shot probably 200 arrows as soon as i got he was yeah he was pissed I, <laughs> yeah yeah i was so mad yeah, and I uh, decided that it should have been a give me. Yeah, right. But it was a weird angle. We didn't really know. I mean, that was man. Think back at that. Like, what a what a couple of youngins we were at that point. I, I we didn't know my arrow was. We're still a couple of youngins, and we know a lot more now. I know that's it's crazy, but like now, and we're still I new. I decided at that point that I was shooting the wrong weight of arrow clearly, and that I should not hunt with the arrows that i had so that's gonna that's gonna lead us into our one of our topics today which we're gonna be talking about gear so we're gonna be talking about gear and also it's october let's see we're doing a double recording today it's october 6th and we're gonna talk about some of our early season hunting experiences because the uh, michigan archery season opened october 1st and so we're gonna discuss some of our experiences and takeaways and so yeah the porky story is one that will live in infamy i hope it never goes away <laughs> oh that story will be told at campfires uh, my kids everyone else so but hopefully there will come a time where we have much better stories to tell and i and that there's oh, no absolutely. hope about it it will happen <laughs> So oh, it'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. So early season experiences. There'll always be another miss. There, there's always going to be another miss. Oh God, yeah, that's that's the truth with bow hunting. So we gotta we gotta have another episode about just about your vice. Oh my God, the vice of shame. <laughs> yes, the vice uh, of shame. Shit, man. Yes, I I don't we can tell we can talk about the vice of shame right now. That's kind of, that's funny that you bring that up. I don't oh, think about that. The vice of shame. Yeah, what well, Tristan, why don't you why don't you talk about the vice of shame real quick? So, the vice of shame. So, Corey has this 3D deer target in his backyard. Um and his and his backdrop is a wood pile of various hardwoods, uh some softwood that's in there. I, yeah. I was lucky and found some, one piece of some that. pine, yeah. Um and so when you miss this 3 deer target, your field tip usually gets lodged in a piece of hardwood. <laughs> um, and nine times out of ten, you just you can't pull it out. So you've got to unscrew the arrow, take this piece of wood to, to a vice in Corey's garage. <laughs> called the vice of shame because it, it means you missed that bad. And you have uh, to get a pair of pliers to pull your field tip <laughs> out of yeah. this piece of wood. Yep. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, just, I guess one of those things that becomes a tradition you don't realize becomes a tradition. I have gone through, I don't know, six field tips. I think at this point from pulling them out of the, the wood and the vice of shame because my players. So if you mess up the threads at all on the field tips, they will not screw back into your arrow. And so I've gotten better. Because I still do hit the wood, and I still do have to use the vice of shame at times. Um, but I've gotten a lot better about not hitting the threads with my pair of pliers. And um, there, <laughs> there have been some days because I got that 3D target mm, like two months ago. Um, and there's been some days where you'll come out into the garage, and there's like a small stack of wood sitting by the back door of the garage. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like well couldn't have been a good day today <laughs> so uh, yeah vice of shame <laughs> uh, you learn a lot 
you learn a lot from every time you have to pull one of those field tips out though oh my god dude i had to and then when you have to buy more field tips luckily field tips for a pack of 12 is you know like eight dollars or something so it's not too bad but every time it happens i feel very i feel very ashamed (laughs) until you start until you start breaking inserts and stuff out of your compound arrows then it gets a little bit more pricey. Yeah, that definitely happened. I may have snapped an a insert out of Tristan Zero. Times. Luckily, yeah, I didn't feel as bad about it because if I didn't do it, he was gonna do it. <laughs> I was just trying to wiggle yeah, your arrow out of there way. and I... snapped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and there's one stuck in a cottonwood tree in my backyard from a very similar situation. Someone in like a thousand years is going to find that field tip like in in petrified wood and like have some story made up about, you know, some person who shot there or some alien is going to find it. And little do they know, Tristan just couldn't put that cottonwood tree in the vice of shame. Yeah, it was just it was just some guy shooting a bow. (laughs) Yep. So, like I said earlier, Vice of Shame story is now done, and hopefully we don't have to tell too many stories about it because we're going to get better and better at shooting. But uh, it is October 6th, and we've had some hunting experiences already. You went out on opening day. Uh, You went out in the morning and the evening, right? Yes, I went out opening morning. I know you're not supposed to hunt in the morning, early season. I know, I know. I was eager and excited to get out opening day, um, decided that I was just going to do some still hunting and maybe a little bit of scouting kind of along the way. Mm-hmm. Just try to be real quiet, get myself oriented. Um, and um, it was pretty successful. I didn't see anything. Um, didn't really hear anything either. Um, so, I mean, if they were there, they definitely, I was there before I knew they were there. Oh, yeah. Um, And then, yeah, opening evening, I actually went out and I sat in a tree stand and um, the spooky bowl. The spooky bowl. um, Talked about in the previous episode. Yep. um, That we were miserable in for a little while. Um, The spooky bowl itself was not miserable, but getting to the spooky bowl was not super fun. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, And getting in there was not an easy time it was still i mean i had to uh, it was it was probably a 400 yard walk 400 we found a little bit easier access to get back there uh because the way we went in was definitely the hard way but when we came out we found a little bit yeah, easier definitely. way a little bit easier way to get in and out and yeah so and i felt pretty confident i mean i didn't blow anything in there either and the uh the friday night prior when i went and scouted that bowl um, and saw those couple of little does back there. Um, that's the same kind of way I went back there too. Yeah. Um, How far were those does when you saw them um, the night down. before? I was in a different spot than I set my tree tree stand up. Uh, they were probably on the yard before I was done. But uh, you saw deer, which is fantastic. <laughs> I was I was happy about that on public land, like yeah. first time ever in Michigan. I I felt pretty good about that. I'm not gonna lie. Yep. Um, as for the night that I actually went to sat, sit up there to go shoot at one, though, nothing happened. They knew. They knew <laughs> um, their time approached. <laughs> and, you know, I, you know, looking back after I talked a little bit, I think I went out a little too early because I got out there probably around four o'clock. I think I went out just a little bit too early with the wind blowing and not too good of a spot. And I think mm-hmm. I sat. And I did, and I don't think I sat long enough. Um, yeah, because I left it. I think it was like six thirty, six forty-five ish. Yeah, that night I probably should have stayed another half an hour. Yep. Yeah, and that's a lesson that uh, we've both learned. So going out at the right times, or I mean, there's no right time, so to speak, but generally this time of the year, because it's so early in the season, there's there is kind of like you're wasting your time. And you're, you know, and or you're doing the right things. And this at this point in the season in Michigan, going out in the morning is not super effective because you're especially on public land like where we're going, because to get back into where you want to be and be quiet about it is not likely. 
And so doing that in the morning, you're just going to you're just going to stir it up. You're going to bump deer. You're going to make them not come back. So um, going out in the evening, getting out there three thirty or four o'clock and sitting till legal shooting light right now is about seven sixteen. Um, and out there, realistically, because we're in such dense woods, the legal shooting light is probably a little bit sooner than that because we just you just don't have as much light once you uh once you get into that thick stuff so yeah i did not get to go out with you that day you stayed at my house i didn't get to go out because i had to work 12 to 8 30 that day that was super dope i know but so yeah you learned some good lessons from that um and then we went out the next morning what's that You've been out since, but yeah, let's talk about that next morning because that, that yeah. was interesting. Yeah, the next morning we hunted some public land, which we both knew wasn't going to be highly pressured. I've been there. I've been on that property a lot just um, from my experience with my job and the areas that we manage. I know where things are pressured and where they're not a lot of times. And so we went out to this uh, public property. And it was an interesting hunt. It was a very interesting hunt because I'd gone out and scouted there uh, a couple of times uh, just on my own. And there's definitely deer sign. But it's one of those things where you're either going to see a bunch of deer or you're probably not going to see any. And we went out in the morning and walked around. We got out there like 630 in the morning into the position that we kind of wanted to be in. and sat until about 7 30 and then we hadn't seen anything walk by so we started walking and sort of still hunting so still hunting is essentially fred bear was famous for still hunting you walk slowly try to be as quiet as you can stop frequently to listen and to look around you um still hunting is a skill that i would really like to get good at and that is a test of my patience because I tend to get like bull in a china shop syndrome where I just want to go fast and get somewhere. Um, but so we did that and didn't really see anything, but it was a good morning of walking around and uh, spending some time in the woods. And that's net, like I said, never a bad thing for that. We had good weather. And um, but that hunt was something that we both learned was being decisive and like making decisions quickly is something that you have to do because your time is very short. And when you're getting into a position where you think deer might be, but you don't really know for sure, eventually we just had to make moves and we were kind of, we kind of stood in the same spot for two or three minutes talking about it. And my, that was a big takeaway for me was like, you just got to get in there and like make, make a decision. Yeah. Yeah, and I think looking back on that, I think big lesson for me in that too, because I actually I I utilized that um, later on when I went and hunted later. Um, that we can talk about, but um, just being able to make a decision, be decisive, um, be quick on your feet. That might that just may as well make a difference between getting a shot and not. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So especially we didn't... when you have to get so close to the animal when you're still hunting or just archery hunting period. Yep. Yeah. You don't have a lot of time where you can pussyfoot around. You kinda have to to make decisions and make moves and and get it done. So uh Sunday the second, so you went home that afternoon. Um, I went out same day and I went to a, a new area that we hadn't really been to yet and looked good on Onyx. And, um, so I walked about a little over half a mile back into the woods, started seeing some really good sign. There was some black cherry trees or like cherry trees dropping black cherries. And there was clear like poop piles and tracks all over the place in that small area. So I made myself a little ground blind and I kind of was sitting back in it and I went out too early. So I went out about two, got into position about two forty five, 
and then sat until like, uh, I don't know. I was probably out of the woods by six, which was a mistake. Um, but my, my caveman brain was like, get out of the woods before it gets too dark because you, you're not familiar with this area. You're alone. And so like, I sort of caved to wanting to feel safe, I guess. Um, but I mean, I didn't see anything, but I think that that was my big takeaway is like, go out a little bit later, stay a little bit later, and then be comfortable with using a flashlight or a headlamp, um, from that. And then you had, after that, you had a hunt, um, on some private land and this was on Wednesday or was that? Yeah, that was, that was yesterday. And, um, yeah, that was yesterday. So tell, yeah, or you know what, or was that Tuesday? Either way, you had a private hunt, you have a private land hunt at a farm. Yeah. And sometime earlier this week. Yeah, it was at some point. They all kind of, the days kind of all gum together when you don't see anything or like mm -hmm. you don't get one. Um, So yeah, talk about that a little bit, because that was kind of an interesting experience for you. So I went out, I had a, I had a really, really good wind. Um, and so I went out on this trip to kind of, I really wanted to prepare to go back to public land because for me, my goal is to take a public land deer. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't have anything against hunting private land, um, at all. In fact, I'll, you know, you, you and I have been talking about buying property, mm -hmm. you know, to, yep. to manage and hunt, uh, you know, a couple of separate times. Um, but I wanted to go out and practice. So, you know, I made sure I got dressed the right way and, um, you know, walked in the right way and used the right routes and walked the wind and used the wind to my advantage. Um, and, you know, on this private land, there's a couple of locations that are set up for stands. Um, and this is one of those hunts where I took that kind of decisive thing. The wind was good for both stands. Um, so I just kind of made a split second decision to go shoot at one that was just a little bit closer to a pinpoint where, um, there was some pictures of a couple of bucks mm -hmm. and that's kind of what I based my decision off of. Yeah. You know, whether or not those bucks were going to pop up, I didn't know, but you know, sometimes you just have to be decisive about that stuff. Yeah. Um, that night sitting up in that stand, I saw a couple of does, um, come out of the tree line at about 75 yards um car got racing a little bit um <laughs> one doe kind of turned and started walking towards my tree stand um also thought that it was you know thought it was gonna happen you know, here I, it is <laughs> i'll shoot a doe because it's early season yeah i thought yeah. it was gonna happen heart started beating just a little bit faster you know got my bow got myself in position um you know, she, she had her head down. I was, and was kind of buying some branches that gave me a little bit of cover. Um, and I lifted my bow up and I saw her pick her head up and kind of look in my direction. <laughs> um, so I had to kind of freeze there for a little bit and then froze there for a little bit. And before I knew it, she just kind of knew and turned around and decided to take back off, back away from me. Um, biggest takeaway from that, um, patience, mm -hmm. patience. Yep. Um, I think if I would have given her just a little bit more time, she might have got a little closer or got herself in a better position for me to draw back. And yet again, maybe she wouldn't have. <laughs> um, I feel like I could have exercised some more patience on this hunt. Yeah, but definitely with a bow. I got a little over eager. With a bow, you out, you have to play for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. You have to play it a lot more cool. I know that um, when I've hunted with a rifle and I, and and I and I see deer, obviously my heart starts pumping, right? But I think it it's almost easier in a lot of ways because you're sitting. A lot of times you're sitting sitting in a blind or you're far enough away that they can't necessarily hear you or see you. But with a bow, you gotta just chill um and that is going to be something that i haven't seen a deer yet when i've gone out with my bow um but that is going to be a test for me when i see one to pull back you know when when i pull back slow 
stay calm and execute the shot like I always like that I know how to do um, because I know my heart's going to be thumping. But the most important thing is delivering an ethical shot that's going to put down a deer and not wound it. Um, and so, yeah, that's a great takeaway. And I remember you texted me that night and you were like, I'm feeling, I'm just feeling really frustrated. And I just, uh, yeah, I did everything I was, right. I was pretty frustrated. Yeah. And like, man, you know, and, uh, you, know I, you sometimes you do everything right and it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out. And that's the beauty of this journey that we're on, especially as our like first season bow hunting together and, and whatever it's, there's going to be frustration. But last year when I was hunting and I talked about this in a previous episode, 116, I was so frustrated so often because all I wanted to do was kill a damn deer. And I got lost in the, I got lost in the pursuit of the kill rather than the enjoying the journey to get there. And there was a lot of times where I was like, you know what? I don't belong here. What am I doing? This isn't for me. I've invested all this money into this thing that I, I'm not very good at. And maybe this just is not for me and I should hang it up. And I had those thoughts more often than not for a while. In 2020, I hunted all season and got skunked all season. And so, yeah, I get the frustration. And I think that was like our conversation um, was like, just enjoy this journey because you're going to get skunked. And if the more you get pissed off about it, the worse it's going to be. Yeah, we both had to do, a, you know, you, you, you helped me a lot reframe that, you know, that experience for me. Um, and I was able to kind of take a little bit more away from it. It was like, you know, maybe I did do everything right, but I shouldn't have grabbed my boat that early, mm-hmm. you know, and it's in, and, and I also feel like, feel your frustration of like, maybe I don't belong out here. Yeah. You know, hey, maybe, what the hell am I doing? This isn't for me. Yeah. And I think, and maybe you agree with this, maybe you don't, but I think that maybe this, at least for me kind of goes to show just the humility that hunting can teach you in general mm-hmm. yep of of being able to and and really teach you how to be humble in those situations where you just can't control what happens in front of you yeah yeah absolutely it does bring you to a point where especially the longer you're in it the more you realize there's only so much that i can control you controlled how you put your you know, you put your gear on, you, you did your scent control, you, you were, you had good wind, you were in a good position where you were sitting, but you can't control the animal. And in Michigan, baiting is illegal. So like you can't direct the deer where you want them to go using food. So you're literally just relying on your preparation combined with luck of mother nature, putting a deer in front of you. And that takes that takes work and it but it takes patience like you said and uh that's what this game is yes. going to be about i think for bow hunting cuz i think both of us are eager to have our first shot and i mean to be fair you did have uh you did have a shot on a deer early in the season you were doing some farm control or some like deer control yeah bl- yeah bl- uh, block yeah block permit yep so Learned you can a lot from that too this, in michigan this, you this can right back. i can yep. kind of attest yeah, for the feeling of the heart pumping, especially when you're 30 feet in the air. Yeah, because in Michigan you can do farmers get tags, and they can they can use hunters to basically cull the herd on their property, and so you were able to to do that, which is a super cool experience. And you were hunting in, wasn't that like that was like mid September? Um, you were able to bow hunt. Mid, yeah, early mid September. Yeah, which was cool, but like. Man, I took shots with a rifle. I missed probably five total shots, like three or four last year, and one the year before that when I was down in Tennessee. Just totally missed. And (laughs) as frustrating as it is, you do learn, like, make sure your gear is good. Because for some of those, my gear wasn't good. 
Um, and then because you can control that and then everything else is just making the right decisions at the right time and mother nature putting the right things in front of you. And for as for the gear piece, I think that has gone to show how you and I have both prepared for this hunting, this art season. Yeah. To yeah, just with absolutely. Just with what we've, we've got, what we've thought about getting and even what we're planning on getting in the future. Yeah, so gear is sort of the the next piece of this episode that um that I wanted to talk about because not growing up hunting, um I started my I went on my first hunt in 2013 and at that point like I pretty much wore I vowed I would never wear camo <laughs> and um I pretty much wore like cold weather sports gear. So I had a jacket and like Under Armour, long sleeve Under Armour, the, you know, jeans, this and that. And um, so I've slowly but surely started to accumulate some hunting gear. But the last two years, realistically, before that, I was, you know, I had a rifle that I built. It's an AR platform 308 that I built. And I had some like I got some socks and some boots, but like nothing was really geared specifically for the purpose of hunting. And so something that happens when you get into this world, you start to realize that gear is important. And granted, you can go out in tennis shoes and jeans and a flannel shirt and kill a deer. Having good gear helps, especially when it comes to like binoculars and rangefinders and stuff like that. Um, that helps you have a better idea of that deer is legal. That deer isn't. There's a buck standing behind that deer that you couldn't see with your naked eye. And so um, why don't you go through some of the gear prep that you did? Because, I mean, you were a hunter prior to this. But, you again, you we've, we've been going hard into this since July. What have you done since July? And maybe what did you have before that to sort of prep, uh, prep your, out, you know, your, your outfit? So I, I have, um, you know, hunting when I was growing up, you know, my dad was in law enforcement. Um, I did a short stint in air force. Um, so, you know, I had some knowledge of, you know, outdoors and keep warm and layering up and stuff like that. So I kind of knew what to get in terms of base layers, um, where it got new for me was, you know, camouflage and getting close to animals and scent control. Cause I knew scent control is important. Um, I had no idea the rabbit hole that it actually was until <laughs> I found myself staring down the edge of it and realized I didn't want to spend, you know, 200 bucks. You know, I, I've got some detergent, some right. spray stuff. From my yep. Head. That's about it. Yep. Um, and, you know, so having that knowledge of the base layers and stuff made it easier for me for that. And I had some of that stuff. Um camouflage i learned was more about outline breakup and not pattern trying to yep. match pattern to your environment um, yeah so to those of you out there you don't have to go buck wild on on camouflage um if you really don't want to i mean i i hunt with some discount stuff but i bought it at dunham sports here <laughs> in michigan um <laughs> but what i did spend money is binoculars and rain finders and my bow and equipment like that that was going to make that was going to give me more of an advantage when I was out in the field. Yeah. Um, and also to be, to be able to identify animals and ages and you know legality of bucks you know with point restrictions and stuff like that just to make sure you can be the most responsible ethical hunter. Yeah. You know some people call rangefinders cheating. I think rangefinders are a good way to make sure you make an ethical on an animal Absolutely. so it doesn't suffer and you don't have to track it for two and a half miles through. Yeah. Cause there's a big land. difference with a bow between knowing that's a 10 yard shot or guessing that's a 10 yard shot or that's a 25 yard shot or guessing that's a 25 yard shot. Because for me, my wow. aiming drastically changes de- depending on the, the distance. So if I know that's 23 yards away. I know exactly where I need to aim. And that is something that is super valuable. Um, so talk about your bow a little bit. What do you shoot? Uh, what type of, I mean, compound bow, there's a lot to it. So what type of accessories go on to it? What do you, oh, yeah. what do you got rocking there? So 
I shoot a Hoyt Ventum. It came out in 2020. Um, it was Hoyt's flagship at the time. I found it on eBay for a pretty good steal from a guy that I think just, he's one of those get the new flagship bow every year kind of guy. Mm. Um, came with some arrows, um, some micro diameter arrows. I ended up changing those. Um, and What's a, what is micro diameter arrow? What does that mean? So a micro diameter arrow is an arrow that's under four millimeters, I believe. Any viewer out there can correct me on that, please do, because I'm no expert. On that. <laughs> I'm not an arrow expert. <laughs> um, so really skinny, really fast for like extreme penetration and some long range accuracy. Easton makes an axis for long stuff. Mm. Um, I ended up stepping up to a a four millimeter arrow. I went with a gold tip, um, kinetic chaos. Um, 300 spine, 10.1 grains per inch. My arrow setup total is 400 grains with some grim kind of broadheads. Yeah. Um, went with that just because gold tip's a little bit cheaper than Easton for my first year. Yep. Um, eventually, I would like to get myself into some Easton FMKs or something a little heavier with some fixed blades. Um, yeah, I would really like to go into a single bevel iron fill. You and I have both talked about that. Yes. Yep. Um, and on my Hoyt, I have a fast eddy two pins uh, adjustable sight, so it it adjusts anywhere between twenty and hundred. Yeah. Um, it 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 makes it really easy to hit longer shot as long as you have good fund- fundamentals. Um, it's the fundamental part that kind of gets everything and everybody. And yeah. Because you have to be so in tune with a bow. Um, binoculars, I went as American-made as I could. Got Vortex. Unfortunately, um, ten by forty-two. I didn't yeah. do anything too crazy. There's not many American-made <laughs> optics companies that actually make binoculars. I mm. Bones and I did an episode about American-made products. Um, I can't think of the number off the top of my head, but it's fairly recent, and they just they don't really exist. American-made binoculars don't aren't really a thing that I could find. So Vortex is an American company, even loophole. They they make their scopes in America, but they don't make their binos in America, which is a shame. So, but no one's, no one's faulting you on that. Someone out there, some American company needs to make some damn binoculars. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe origin can jump in on that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just keep up with excellent. Yep. So you got um, some then, Vortex binos. What else you got? I, yes. Um, and then I have a Nikon rangefinder, older, older rangefinder. Got off made too. Um, I did a lot of nickel and diamond for this first archery year. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, we have big, I have big plans for upgrades next year. For yes. Things. Yep. Um, and then I have all of that in an FHF gear bino harness, which is not what I started out with. I started out with, the vortex bino harness that yeah the one that comes with the binoculars um, yeah and um i had a little bit of a blowout on mine i i've read a lot of stuff and that doesn't happen with a lot of people so i think i might have just got a lemon but yeah you know, i think those against vortex i love the binoculars yeah you know, those harnesses are fine harness. felt like it was pretty solid quality yeah they're they're definitely fine but i would say um brands like FHF uh what is it Fight Hunt Fish and then Marsupial um those are some really reputable yes. binocular harness brands and if you're not into binocular harnesses basically it's just a pouch that sit, it's like a chest rig and it goes on your chest and then it ha- you have the capability of customizing your chest rig with a rangefinder pouch if you're out west like a bear spray pouch uh, holsters, so it's a really modular system that's very like military inspired. Super cool, um, and I have plans to to get myself one of those as well. Um, but yeah, the FHF one is that's a solid that's a solid chest harness. So, what else you got? Um, a lot of my oh, I have a pair of Irish Setter, but those those boots that I just got. Yes. Yeah. Um, completely forgot about those. Um, twelve hundred grams of insulation, which yeah. is absolutely imperative when you're sitting still. Up oh my god! Yeah. In the wind, even when it's forty-five, forty-six yep. degrees outside, I realize it's the greatest thing ever. 
I cannot emphasize enough how important warm boots and warm socks are. Like a hundred percent, that is one of your most important oh, yeah. purchases. Don't, don't skip out on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get you get what you pay for um, with stuff like that. I recommend you know, don't skip out on boots. Don't skip out on optics. Don't skip out on things that are going to make you safe. Um, like yeah. my hunter safety system harness, yep. and you know, I bought some lineman's ropes that are. Know, rated for a thousand pounds yep um made sure i got good tree steps you know hawk make my tree stands is a pretty reputable tree stand company yeah i still even put extra ratchet straps around the stand nothing wrong with that too many guys and gals fall out of safe. tree stands and really fuck themselves up yeah you can't be too safe yep that's that that stuff is so so important especially when you got family and other people at home um yeah so make sure you make sure we take care of ourselves yep so what else anything else as far as gear wise uh we kind of went in similar ideas but a little bit different execution do you have any other big additions that you want to throw out there um have a couple of good headlamps um Mm, yes and I and I and I can't emphasize on having more than one because if one goes out, you always want to back up. Yep. Um, I'm even probably gonna buy a third one. <laughs> yeah. Um, just just in case, you know. In our other episode, we were talking about staying out later and in the dark and being comfortable. You know, having something that's a little bit brighter makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. It does. It absolutely does. Yep. So what? Uh. You said you had big plans for next year. What is that going to look like as far as things that you maybe, uh, I don't want to say cheaped out on, but maybe one of the less expensive option this year? What are you looking at? What is the ideal setup? Because um, I would like the ideal setup. Yeah, what do you got? What's rocking? <laughs> I, can go, I can go for a while on the ideal setup. Um, but so for next year, I think I'm going to upgrade my rangefinder. Um go with vortex there i want something that illuminates a little bit more with some red mine doesn't have mm. anything red that highlights the reticle or anything so yep. it's not great and super low light yeah you know i manage i manage with what i gotta manage with you know but that's something that i want to do and then i think i'm 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 about 98 percent sold on going from white to math next year yeah yep um for my compound bow yeah yeah that's a big i mean that alone is a big change but matthews is a good band good brand um for compound bows so you can't go wrong with that talking to my good old brand ambassador Corey about origin hunter i got you homie yep yeah so big things in the future you talked about your iron will broadheads uh new range finder and possibly a new bow depending on you know what shakes out with that um and then potentially some origin gear so going into that so stuff that i had to accumulate this year i kind of went with a different attitude on this and a good friend of mine says i don't make enough money to buy cheap shit so the thought of that i went into it is i only want to buy the stuff once and so i was looking at binoculars i ended up with a vortex 10 by 52 solid binocular has a lifetime warranty you know, like guaranteed for anything um got a great deal on that um through cuz I'm a government employee so I got a great deal on that uh I ended up with a Leupold 1400 rangefinder which again got a great deal on that um that's a super nice rangefinder it has both both specific settings so it calculates distance based on angles and stuff like that it has the red display like you're talking about which has been uh i mean last night when i was out um it was super helpful especially in the lower light situations when i was ranging stuff um i have gone the opposite direction on the bow setup (laughs) so right as of right now i entered the season in uh i was shooting a late 60s i believe it's like a 1967 bear grizzly shoots at 49 pounds at about 58 inches so um and i got that for like 240 dollars a couple years ago it's a nice bow shoots well 
Um, don't have a problem with it, but I wanted more power. And so I just got, uh, uh, last night I ordered a bear Kodiak hunter, which is a 60 pound bow. Fred bear hunted with a Kodiak, um, back in the day. And that is a 60 pound bow. So it's a little longer, has a little bit smoother draw. And I shot two arrows with it today. And that thing is going to be good. It's going to be a, it's going to be a tack driver once I nail it in. Um, so that's, and and even that I paid $225 for that. And it's a great, I mean, it's a, it's in really good shape. I like using the older bows right now. They were made in Grayling, Michigan. And I, uh, I like that. It connects me even more to like, I'm, I'm out there in the woods in Michigan. I want to hunt with something that was made in Michigan. Fred bear, obviously a Michigan hero and the OG of bow hunting. Um, so that's my bow setup yeah. right now. And I mean, 50 pound grizzly. So that's, that's, that's super important to you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But bear archery products is still I mean, making bows in America and Gainesville, Florida. So if I ever wanted a new, uh, traditional bow, I might go through them, but there's, I mean, there's massive amounts of custom bow makers and very high end. I was looking at like an $1,100 bow today at Jay's. To be honest, I didn't see the quality there. Granted, I didn't shoot it, but like just pulling it back and feeling it like I'm looking at the bow that I have and then that bow and I'm like, I don't, how is this $1,100? I don't really know. But anyway, um, so yeah, that's my bow setup. I've got a little bow quiver. Uh, it's a Selway slide on quiver. Basically just, you know, you slip your arrows in and it sits on the side. If you've ever seen pictures of Fred bear shooting, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and then I have Easton, uh, I believe they're called Easton heritage or Easton legacies. They are carbon fiber arrows meant made for traditional archers. Uh, it's a long arrow. I think it's like 31 inch arrow, something like that. It's a pretty long, pretty long shaft. Um, and that's a 400 spine arrow. And I am shooting 175 grain tips, VPA, three blade broadheads. Did you say your arrow length was? They're like Again? 30. 31? They're like 31 inches, I think. I'd have to measure it to be exact. I can't think oh, of it off the top of my head. That's two, that's two inches longer than my compound arrows. My compound yeah. arrows are 29. Oh, are they? And they might be longer than that. I'm not entirely sure, to be honest with you. But so my arrow weight, traditional uh, arrow weights and whatever are a little bit different than compound. But I'm shooting about a 500 grain arrow. I could probably, with my 60 pound bow, go up to 550 or 600 grain. Um, traditional bows don't shoot as fast as compound bows. So we want to shoot a heavier arrow. Um, and get as much penetration as possible. So that's that setup. Um, I decided to go for the gold and basically kit out and full origin hunt gear this year. Um, I have about six pieces of the origin hunt line, all made in America, hundred percent without compromise. And, um, I've only received one piece of it so far. The rest sounds like it's coming on Saturday and I'll give a report on that. I'm super interested. I mean, Everyone that's gotten it loves it. There's been no one that's complained that I've seen. So I'll do a little review either on the podcast uh, or on the Weekly Warrior Instagram or whatever. If you're interested in picking up some Origin gear, they do lots of different clothes. Jeans, boots, geese, shirts, hoodies, lots of belts, whatever. Uh, go to OriginUSA.com. Use Mueller 101 at checkout for 10% off. And that's capital M-U-E-L-L-E-R 101. So origin kit, that's pretty much that. Um, and then I invested into some lacrosse alpha burly boots. They're 1600 gram insulated. Um, they're, they seem like quality boots. There's no rubber boot that's made in America right now, which is uh, unfortunate. A rubber insulated hunting boot like that. I'm hoping that in the future that comes around, but it's not currently a thing. So... Yeah, pretty decent like monetary yeah, investment right. and our wives have been more than gracious in allowing <laughs> oh us to God. pursue this venture because it has not been inexpensive, but I also plan and I know Tristan plans on doing this for a long time and the investment is worth it. So I picked up uh, like a side gig 
I uh, watched Dogs with Rover, and that helps me pay for some of this stuff. Um, and my wife, Connor, you guys obviously know Connor from the podcast. She is wonderful and supports this adventure. So, um, yeah, I'm going to get a marsupial yes, bino Brandy, harness when they come out. This. Yeah, right? Those, those marsupial. Yeah, Brandy, if, you, if you're listening to this, you're, you're the realist because... Honestly, if uh, if you put the axe on this, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be sitting here talking. Yeah, or it'd be a about. lot more difficult. <laughs> um, yeah, I might be in a basement instead of an office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, marsupial bino harness. They are teaming up with Origin to use the Origin Raptor camo pattern, and they're going to be making um, the the bino harnesses with the Origin pattern. I that's probably going to be the last thing I buy this year. Hunting wise, next year on the horizon, I'd also like to get some Iron Will broadheads. That's kind of like the Cadillac of broadheads. But VPA, the company that I went with this year, they're made in America. They're quality. Um, nothing wrong with it. I definitely liked fixed blades. I'm not going to use a mechanical broadhead, especially using a traditional bow. Um, but yeah, so bow bow hunting wise, that's kind of my set up right now and then i use like i have got some uh merino base layer wool gloves from meat eater because uh uh origin didn't make those yet so they were like 30 dollars, and it'll be a good in between um so yeah a good monetary investment and um a lot of that stuff is multiple use right so like we buy this crap that is not just for hunting like especially bows like we can go and shoot a bow recreationally and have a really good time doing it whereas guns i mean you gotta buy ammo you got i mean it's a lot it's a much bigger monetary investment i feel with rifles and pistols and stuff so consistent overhead cost oh absolutely you can't go pull a bullet out of a target and shove it back in the (laughs) back in the casing you know (laughs) yeah which and ammunition prices have just been crazy that was a big push for me to i think what you're seeing Go ahead. Like for me with archery, I think you were about to say the same thing was, you know, I think that's a big push to do archery for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love shooting I guns and stuff, but I mean, you buy half a dozen arrows and you can have loads of fun. Um, And I feel like, don't get me wrong. I love shooting guns and whatever, but ammunition is expensive. And this is just a little bit, it's a little more multifaceted. I can go and shoot my bow in my backyard and not pay a dime. Every time I go to the range and shoot my gun, there's 15 cents. There's a dollar there. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good, and like gear shopping is fun. Like, you know, looking through everything and doing your research and trying to find stuff that you like more than other stuff. And, um, it's been it's been fun and I've I've enjoyed the process. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've I've enjoyed that same process too. And being yeah. able to compare back and forth and you know what gear look you're looking at, what gear I'm looking at, it kind of gives you a different perspective on what you may or may not need. Like you I remember one specific thing we talked about the bino harness thing for you. Yeah. Um and on how I think one of your points was you didn't want that many straps. Yeah. Because I'm already wearing a backpack and stuff, too. And, and, you know, and I totally understand that mindset. I mean, I've got got a fanny pack, a backpack, my harness, you know, my my tree climbing harness, you know, my bino harness. There's a lot of straps sometimes, you know. Um, Yeah. But that bino harness, I feel like, is so, at least for me as a, a tree stand hunter and you know, even out still hunting. I think that bino harness is just super, for me, it's super essential just because it's right here. Yeah. It, I've definitely come around. It's enclosed. Yeah. I've come around to the idea of the bino harness quite a bit, but it definitely, at first I was like, man, I don't need that. And then I'm, when I, cause the, the vortex binos that I bought came with a harness already. So I was like, well, I'll just give it a shot and see if I like it. And I do like it. It is nice. Um, it's going to be really nice for rifle hunting too, because all your stuff's just right there. The only thing, I mean, you can't really go into a prone position, but I can't imagine how often I'll get into a prone position while rifle hunting. But, um, 
yeah, either way though, um, that's, that's like I said, that'll probably be the last thing that I purchased this year is that marsupial bino harness. And then I'll call it a day, um, until like summer of next year and sort of financially recover from this onslaught. Until we crack the checkbooks open again. (laughs) Yeah. Those iron wheel broadheads, man, that's going to be a big investment to be, that's like a huge investment. Um, so <clears throat> yep. yeah yeah 230 bucks for six i think yeah and like i said these are these are probably the best broadheads you can buy currently that i've found but um yeah they're not cheap it's like 267 for six and a travel case <laughs> so um but they are yeah. attractive um i will probably like and that's the thing too like i'll probably buy another six arrows and stuff like that and connor wants to get into shooting a bow so we're like i'm looking for a lighter poundage bow for her because it's something we can do together and have fun um and she can shoot the arrows that i used to shoot the lighter ones that are just good i mean they're good for target shooting and all that so that's the other thing too is i'm excited to get into this with her because it's something that we can do together and i'm looking forward to that a lot so yeah, that'll be a cool experience for you guys yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe we can get Brandy into it. She can try Connor's bow out. Maybe. <laughs> I think that would be cool. Yeah, I absolutely. Cool. I think she would be less intimidated by a traditional bow than a compound bow, too. Yeah. Yep. I so Compound bows are confusing, cool. man. I look at it, and I'm like, what the? what is all this shit on here? Just give me a stick and a string. So I'll be let's, fine. Let's, 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 let's close this out with one other little funny story about the first time Corey tried to shoot my cop. Oh my god, I don't wanna. <laughs> so, it was so embarrassing. So he... <laughs> he he always gave me flack because, oh, you got a sight, this and that, and traditional this and trad this, and, 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 and I, I, I respect traditional hunters, I do. I, I, I shot Corey's bow and I shoot it like crap. <laughs> won't even won't even deny that (laughs) um long story short he figures out how to work release and gets the bow back um drops the arrow out of my wrist (laughs) so gotta let down for a second (laughs) then then he pulls it back again and when he releases the arrow at what what were you at i was five yards oh five yards the first time i shot it i was at five yards i was trying to give you I was trying nope. to give you some grace. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell like it is, man. It's embarrassing, but it is what it is. <laughs> and did you miss high or low? Oh, I, I missed I way missed high. Yeah, and low. Way I took two shot. shots. The second one was way low. <laughs> went into the went into the wood pile. <laughs> went into the wood pile, and then the and then the first one went up over the top of the target through the wood pile and through a tarp. Yeah. I will say so, that the next time I shot it, time shot it, yeah, at 25 yards, I hit a hard shot. So, but I didn't know, like, I'm looking through, there's multiple sites and I got to line it up and whatever. I'm like, what the shit is this? I don't even know. What. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> and yep. I go to, I go to shoot your traditional bow and I'm like, all I see is arrow. Oh no. That's all you see, baby. <laughs> and that's all you see. Mm-hmm. And so I, the, the different perspective, that too. Yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do some buy, episodes on. We're gonna be talking about traditional archery uh, comparatively to compound bow because it is a whole different culture, a whole different mindset. Um, it's similar mindset, but like just it's a whole different experience, really. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna discuss that on a later episode. But Tristan, you got any closing thoughts for us today? Um, get out there and hunt because I'm looking at a cold front moving through and how wonderful it's going to be tomorrow morning. Yeah, Friday and Saturday <laughs> yeah, are going to be nice. Tomorrow evening after this front moves through. Yep. Oh yeah, two really really good hunting days. Um, yeah, get out there, hunt. Even just get out there and just go go shoot a bow. Go look at a bow. Yeah. Watch watch an episode of Meat Eater. Just see just see what you think yep. about it and see what you think about that that world and kind of understand a little bit about some of it. Yeah. You know, if you're interested. The uh, I'm gonna close us out with a quote from Fred Bear, 
um, that I think rings incredibly true, regardless of whether you get out and hunt, you get out and fish, or you just get out and hike or you camp or whatever. This is what Fred Bear said. Immerse yourself in the outdoor experience. It will cleanse your soul and make you a better person. So get out there and do it. 